Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and as always, it being the first Monday of the month, we are very excited to be joined by my friend, Dr. Marty Greer. And we're having this 2024 as a conversation about neonates and baby puppies and all of the things that go with that. We're taking really deep dives into topics that we have talked about or touched on or kind of brushed by in the past. So today, one of the things that we're going to talk about is Marty's really important information. It's in her book. If you guys don't have her book, you've got to buy the book. I'm just saying there'll be a link. Talking about APGAR scores and what that means. Marty's going to break that down. And with any luck, we might even get to touch on some C-section stuff. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. This year, give your buyers the gift of peace of mind with a special go-home day offer from Trupanion. This offer provides puppies with immediate coverage so they're protected should they get into mischief in their new homes. Trupanion covers pets against unexpected accidents and illnesses with no payout limits, helping ease the financial burden when a pet gets sick or injured. Even better, Trupanion is able to pay the veterinarian directly at the time of checkout, which means less out-of-pocket for your buyers. You can get this special offer for your buyers as part of the Breeder Support Program. It's completely free to join and available for breeders in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Getting started is quick and easy. Just follow the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com to get started. So, welcome, Marty. Thanks. How did it get to be the first Monday of the month again? How does this keep happening? There keep being Mondays and there keep being new Mondays. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I would like to protest this myself. <laughs> yeah, Mondays are rough. Mondays are always rough. Always rough. <laughs> Mondays are always rough. Okay. But hopefully this lightens everybody's load on a Monday yes. so that they've got new information that's fun. Veterinary voice on Monday makes everybody's Monday better. Okay. So, all right. Good. All right. So talk to us about APGAR. This was named for... A human nurse, if I remember? Actually, a human anesthesiologist. Her name was Virginia Apgar. She graduated from medical school in the 1930s. She went to school in New York and Wisconsin, and she was the first female anesthesiologist admitted to the College of Anesthesiology back in an era where there were no women doctors. There were no women, a lot of things. Nice. So she was truly remarkable. And it was back in the era in the 50s when a lot of us had mothers that were anesthetized for our birth or at least heavily sedated for our births. Even if they weren't having C-sections, that was sort of that era. So a lot of babies were born to mothers that were sedated or anesthetized. And so she developed a scoring system to analyze the babies. And it has stuck for the last 70 years. And it it's very impressive that it's something that people talk about every day, still using the word APGAR. Her last name was APGAR, and then she named the scoring system after herself, which stood for Appearance, Pulse, 
grimace, activity, and respirations. So pretty brilliant of her to take her name and turn it into a household word. I think that was super smart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And she deserves every bit of credit that she gets. So I think it's pretty cool that she did this. And now Peggy Kutzritz, who's on staff at the University of Minnesota, has adapted it for use on small animal veterinary patients like dogs and cats. So I want to give Peggy full credit as well, because she saw the value of adapting this to something Mm -hmm. that we could use in small animal medicine. And it doesn't just have to happen at your veterinary clinic. This is something that you can do at home. Now, many of you have probably intuitively analyzed puppies this way, but you haven't really thought about putting a number to it. And so the advantage of a numerical score is that it gives you something that you can measure and compare litter to litter, puppy to puppy within the litter over the course of time. And we have some really good data from NeoCare, which we talked about last time, about what the relationship with the APGAR score and the survival of these puppies will be. So it's actually like super cool that you can take all this information and turn it into something that you can use at home, you can use at your veterinary clinic, and that your veterinary clinic can help you with. So I would encourage people to learn to do APGAR scores. It's not hard. It's not mysterious. It's really pretty straightforward on what to do with it. So it doesn't just happen at the vet clinic. It happens everywhere. And I would encourage people to do this. And If they're not working with a veterinarian that's using this, see if they can work with their technicians to establish a scoring system. Because the value of this is when you go home and you have a puppy that had an APGAR score of a four and a puppy that had an APGAR score of a nine, that you know the puppy with the four needs a lot more attention to have the kind of survival rates that one would hope for, which is, you know, we always hope for 100%, but reality is 100% is probably not a realistic goal. So you're going to have a handout. So everybody that's listening know that there will be availability of resource material in the show notes. So go to the website, click the link, and we'll have that there for you. But go through each of the steps for us on the APGAR score. Sure. So each of the five parameters, appearance, pulse, grimace, activity, and respirations, gets a score of a zero, one, or a two. So collectively, if you get twos on all five of your items, you have a score of a 10. If you have a score of a zero, you're probably dead because that means your color is gray, your pulses are non-existent, you don't have any reflexes, you don't have any breathing, and you don't have any activity. So it's pretty much a zero. So a puppy can be anywhere from a zero to a 10. When my staff leaves the surgery room with a puppy in their hands, in their little colored towels, they will walk out of the room. And if the puppy's already wailing in their hands as soon as it's delivered, they're already calling out the APGAR score. I have a tan. So I hear this all day. I have a tan. I'm like, good for you guys. I'm amazed by that. So it's really simple to do. It doesn't require, you know, high level assessment. And like I said, a lot of us probably are intuitively already doing this. You know, when you have a puppy born, if it's fish breathing and gasping and gaping, that's not good. If it's got nice pink color and it's wailing and it's crying and it's wiggling and it's pink and it's all those things that, you know, you know that you've got a puppy that's in pretty good shape, but it's just nice to be able to give it a more numerical sign because that gives you data to work with. So here's a question for you what's a one, right? Like I know my puppy isn't breathing or it's screaming. Mm -hmm. What's a one? 
Well, one would be a puppy with just one of those parameters where it might have had some irritability, but it's not really breathing. You can't hear a pulse, but you could see a little twitching, a little movement, mm-hmm. things like that. The average puppy is going to be seven and up, but it does give you, you know, like I said, a numerical score. So the value of this is knowing that from the NeoCare information, that's from the University at the Toulouse, France Veterinary School, mm-hmm. the puppies with an APGAR score of less than seven have a 22-fold increased risk of death in the first eight hours after they're born. So super important that you know that a seven and up gives you a better outcome. And if it's below that, you need to be working a lot harder. And they also know that puppies with APGAR scores between a four and a seven can achieve a 90% survival rate with the appropriate interventions. So what does that mean? That means you put them in oxygen. What's our next? Yes, exactly. So you suction them, you put them in oxygen, you make sure that they're staying warm. You're doing all those things that you already have been trained to do to help with puppy resuscitation so that they're not just, you know, laying in the whelping box, kind of hoping that they do okay. So that may be suctioning, that may be oxygen, that may be in an extreme case that you give something like epinephrine or dopram at the veterinary clinic. In a lot of people's hands, we use a lot of five-hour energy as a respiratory stimulant. So it's clear that you have a set of tools then that we can teach you to take that puppy with an APGAR score of a seven with the right equipment, with an incubator, with an oxygen concentrator, with heat, with drugs, if they're available and necessary, that you can take that puppy and improve their survival rate to the point that 90% of these guys can survive if they're a four to seven. Now, if they're a zero to a three, eh, those are pretty tough. That takes really intensive work. And many times owners at home aren't going to have the tools, the resources the drugs, the equipment that it takes to get a zero to a three puppy to survive. If they're a zero, chances are pretty good they're not going home with you at the C-section or you're not going to have that puppy more than a few minutes to an hour. But we've all heard the story of the puppy that didn't look good. It was born, it was put in a towel, it was set up to the side. I'm going to go work on these guys that I know I can help them survive. I'm going to focus my energy on the ones that are doing well, maybe not great, but well enough that I'm going to pay attention to them. And you turn around 15 minutes later and the towel is moving and you're like, oh man, like, what is this? So I need to do something about this. So you don't want to ever write them off. I have to tell you the story of Amber for everybody out there in listener land. The story of Amber is my story of exactly this. Amber was my very, very first litter of wire hair pointers. We had 11 in a C-section and she just wasn't coming around, wasn't coming around. And it was me and like one tech and my friend, we were understaffed and we just were frantically trying to get all these puppies going. And I did, I set her in a towel on the counter and I'm like, I got to work with these. And I went back to her fully 20 minutes later and she was like blue to her knees. Like her legs were blue. Everything was blue. And I went back to working on her and I'll, be damned, but she made it. And side note, outlived every other puppy in that litter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they can F- beat the F- odds. <laughs> yeah. They can beat the odds. And so you hear of sometimes emergency clinics that don't work with the puppies, don't take the sack off, don't work with them, don't give them oxygen, don't keep them warm, don't do anything. So you want to make sure that you've got the best interventions that you can. Now, some of the drugs that we use are prescription items like Dopram, That's a controversial drug, but it can be pretty useful in certain situations. So it's just really important that you're as well equipped as you can be if you're whelping at home or working at a veterinary clinic to 
get your litter going, that you have the best equipment possible. So that means you should have oxygen in some form. Oxygen tanks run out. Oxygen concentrators continue to produce oxygen from room air at 20% oxygen to oxygen at 95% O2, as long as you have electricity. So you should have an oxygen concentrator. You should have an oxygen source. You should have a heat source. You should have all your drugs. You should have all your stuff ready. We have a checklist at the veterinary clinic, and you should have all your supplies ready as well when you start your whelping. Is even if she goes a day or two early, you should have your stuff together. So keep all your supplies in one place where you can get to them. I like to keep them in an ice chest. It keeps them clean. It keeps them organized. You can go through a few days before she's due to have the puppies, make sure that your drugs aren't expired, make sure you've got all the supplies, you know, kind of get your stuff together so that when the moment of birth starts to occur, that you are not running around the house looking in 12 different closets and underneath, you know, yeah, underneath towels on top of your crates and all the other stuff is where's my stuff? Like I need this now. So get your stuff together, be organized, have your checklist, have your supplies, There will be this list on the website for the Peer Dog Talk. We'll have the APGAR score information. We'll have the list of whelping supplies, all the things you should have and where to get them and all the good stuff. Have a stethoscope so that you can listen to the puppies. Have your stuff together. I actually had not used this before this particular litter. We had just a little cheapy Doppler. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Cheapy, cheapy, just to, mm-hmm. you know, see if we could catch heartbeats. And it mm-hmm. really was helpful in making a go, no-go decision on the C-section. Mm-hmm. Right. And those, you can purchase those many times off of Facebook Marketplace or other places, eBay, other places that maybe some woman had it for her two pregnancies and then she's done having kids and so she's going to sell it. So they are pretty handy little devices to have. They also have those as part of the equipment. If you rent Whelpwise equipment, that they would have that as one of the two pieces of equipment that they would ship you for use. So they're pretty slick little devices and they're really useful because sometimes the stethoscope is hard to use and your head is pounding and you can't really tell if you're listening to your own heartbeat because you're in a panic. Exactly. Or is this actually a heartbeat and exactly what's going on? So having some of these pieces of equipment are really useful, and you can usually get those for under $200. A stethoscope is usually around $10. Five-hour energy, you know, you can get that at the truck stop. You don't even have to go to a store. Those are like five bucks. So these are just simple things for you to have available around, ready to use. All the drugs in the world don't do you any good if you don't have a needle and syringe. I would never, ever, ever whelp without a couple of supplies, and that would be a daily mucus trap and calcium gel. If you say to me, I'm not high tech, I want nothing to do with any of this stuff, I will slap you silly if you don't at least have a daily mucus trap and a bottle of five-hour energy. There's just some really basic stuff that you should have and some calcium gel. Those three things. I mean, what, really? You wouldn't spend $20 to be prepared for this? So none of this is expensive. I think, Marty, one of the things that I am frequently sort of brought back to, whether I'm talking to you or I'm talking to listeners, is where I started with my mom in 1970-something. And we had heat lamps and newspapers. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and I get it, you know, that a lot of people started there, but we have so much more knowledge now. It just is so simple to make very, Mm -hmm. very small changes that Mm -hmm. are to improve your puppy's quality of Mm -hmm. life. 
Right. I mean, an oxygen concentrator and an incubator, those are a thousand bucks a piece. That's expensive. But a lot of this is not. It's like people that say, well, I don't need progesterone testing because I can get the bitches pregnant. Well, I'm sure you can. But if you have a high-risk pregnancy, if you have to have a scheduled C-section, if you have an emergency C-section, if she goes into preterm labor, you don't know if you don't know. And because this knowledge is available to us, it just seems kind of backwards to me that we wouldn't be better equipped to do this because some of these puppies are super valuable. You've used frozen semen or you've used a stud dog that's hard to get your hands on and it's a valuable bitch. And so why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do this? I literally had a client that said, I don't need a daily mucus trap. And I said to him, Joe, seriously, take the daily mucus trap home with you. If you return it still in the package, I will give you your $10 back. Just take it home with you. And he called during whelping. He'd had three puppies. They were doing fine. Puppy four was born. Puppy four wasn't breathing. He called on the phone. We were open. They threw the phone in my hand. And I picked up the phone and said, so Joe, where's your dealie? And he says, well, it's in the other room. And I said, Joe, seriously, walk to the other room, open the dealie and suction the puppy now. And so I'm on the phone with him. I hear the puppy start to cry. And the puppy starts breathing. And I'm like, dude, was this not worth $10? Like, this is a $5,000 field trial puppy. And you weren't going to spend $10 to save its life? I mean, I don't even understand. So I struggle with people that are reluctant or unwilling to do better things because they're available and we're educating you. And there's resources, there's books, there's videos, there's websites, there's all the stuff. Stuff. There's so much more stuff than there was back then. I mean, I can show you on my bookshelf, a veterinary guide to, you know, like Mm -hmm. I have these books that are left, but the ones that we have now are so much better. So that's all I'm saying. Right. And I actually went back and bought a bunch of those. (laughs) Yeah. I bought a bunch of those really old books when I was getting interested in this kind of thing. Because it was interesting to go back and read what we did in the 1950s and the 1970s. And really? So why are we still practicing this way? Because we can do so much better. But I feel that way about spays and neuters too. And so I don't want to get too far off the topic here. But when we start talking about high quality, high volume spays and neuters, where they're not high quality, but they are high volume and they're cheap, going to these large volume spay neuter clinics some of the medicine that they practice is substandard. It is a giant step backwards in time. We can do blood work and EKGs and pain medication and laser and anti-nausea medications and gas anesthesia and monitors. And the things that we can do now for routine surgeries are so advanced compared to what it was 40 years ago when I graduated. It's like, why would you go someplace that doesn't provide that level of care when you have a dog that's important to you? The dog sleeps in your bed, folks. Take good care of it. Yeah. That is sort of a basic. Take good care of the dog that sleeps in your bed. Yeah. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. Did you know that you can earn money for your National Parent Breed Club through the Purina Parent Club Partnership Program? Honestly, this is just an amazing program that's raised more than $8 million for canine health research, judges education, and rescue since it began in 2002. It's easy to participate. Members of Purina Pro Club sign up by designating their National Parent Breed Club through their Pro Club account or at any Purina-sponsored event. When members submit receipts for qualifying Purina pet foods, Purina matches 10% for every dollar earned in Purina points. 
Half of that goes directly to the parent club and half to the AKC Canine Health Foundation to be used for breed-specific health research. Clubs have used their funding to support scholarships, youth programs, and breed rescue. PPCP is a win-win program that truly benefits dogs everywhere and those who love them. If you want to learn more, visit PurinaProClub.com backslash about backslash partnerships. I'm telling you, this is my very favorite program. I love this. And I want you guys to check it out too. All right, guys, whether you're a first-time breeder or a seasoned veteran, it's not just a litter. It's your legacy. Each puppy represents your hard work, your dedication, and it shows your commitment to the next generation. Revival is honored to support you every step of the way. You can find everything you need to support your litters and the health of your dams and sires with Breeders Edge, Revival's premium line of reproductive and neonatal health products. Breeders Edge was actually developed with the help of our very own Dr. Marty Greer, Revival's Director of Veterinary Services, and a leading expert in canine reproduction and neonatal care. Breeders also rely on Revival, the pet vaccine experts, for vaccine selection and safe shipping to give their litters the protection they need. Revival's online pharmacy serves breeders with a wide variety of prescription medications, plus a knowledgeable staff that's always ready to answer any questions. Grow your own healthy legacy with help from Revival Animal Health. And check this out one time only, $15 off your order of $99 or more by using the code PODCAST15. You can use this code by calling 800-786-4751 or stopping by www.revivalanimal.com. So moving on, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about C-sections because there are some, you know, when you have a litter of puppies at home, they all come out. It takes you four freaking ever Everybody has a chance to kind of settle in. Mom's got some hormones going, you know, it's a different world. If you've never had a C-section and I'm sort of traumatized to tell you, I have probably had more C-section litters than natural pelvic litters. Tragic, but true. If you've never had a C-section, it's really traumatizing for the mom, for you, for the whole situation. So let's talk a little bit about that, about some best practices. What do you do when you get home? Some of those kind mm -hmm. of things. Sure. So best practices in advance are get your puppy count x-ray taken three to five days before she's due so that if you have either an extremely large litter or an extremely small litter, or if you have a brachycephalic, a Bernese mountain dog, or a corgi, that you're already planning for a C-section. You know if you have a bulldog that you've always had a bulldog. It didn't turn into a bulldog when she got pregnant. So if you got a bulldog, you got to plan on doing a C-section. There's just certain things that happen. But don't forget, there are Frenchies that can get pregnant on their own, and there are Frenchies that can whelp on their own. Not very often, but it there still are happens. Our pugs. I know. Mostly. I know. It, yeah, it cracks me up when people come in and they've got a pregnant Frenchie, and they're like, I had no idea they could actually breed. Well, yeah, they have all the anatomy, so why not? So... 
make sure that you get your puppy count x-ray. Make sure you know your whelping dates based on your progesterone levels. So get your stuff together. Get your stuff packed for the car. You want to take along the right supplies. And again, we'll have a list on the website so that you can take a look at that and get your stuff together. But don't take your female without a crate, without a way to take the puppies home. If you're coming in for a C-section, you're probably taking puppies home with you. You hope you're taking puppies home with you. Yeah, I've had people come in without stuff because they fully expected that they wouldn't have any puppies to take home that were alive. So then we're scrambling to find styrofoam boxes and heated bottles and some other things to get them out the door. That is my favorite thing in the world. Well, laundry. They're pretty good in the summer, but in the winter we use ice chests. You know, we're in Wisconsin. It's pretty breezy. Sometimes it's zero below. Yeah. So an ice chest has the advantage, but don't seal the lid. Make sure you put a towel between the top of it and the lid so that it doesn't actually seal and take the oxygen out of the room. But have your stuff together, pack your supplies, have your stuff ready to go. Three or four days before she's due to have her C-section or whelp, give her a bath. Please give her a bath. Now, I don't want her bathed and damp when she goes into labor. I want her clean and dry. But you don't want to take a dirty dog to surgery. You don't want to take a dirty dog to the vet if she's got you know, a little mud on her feet, that's a different conversation over the dog that hasn't been bathed in a year. So have her clean because surgery is only going to be as good as the patient's cleanliness is. So if you bring me a filthy dog, you're going to have a filthy surgery. There's only so much we can do at the time of the procedure to clean that up. Get the pheromone collar, Adaptil, Thunderese, whatever it happens to be, not lavender, but get the pheromone collar, put that on her in advance because that's going to improve her maternal skills. She's going to be better equipped emotionally and physically to take care of the puppies if you put that on. And again, these are things you can buy on Amazon or from PetSmart or whatever. They run between $20 and $30. They're no big deal, but they really do improve the bitch's mental place that she is when she wakes up and has aliens walking around on her incision. Where do these come from? Why does my incision hurt? And why are they touching my incision? Get them away from me. But, oof, they're terrible. So you don't want the bitch to wake up and be aggressive towards her puppies. So kind of get your stuff together, have all your supplies, and have a plan for a C-section. Even if you don't think you're going to need one, have a plan. You know where your emergency clinic is. You know what hours your vet's available. You know what to do if something doesn't go well. You have a plan A and a plan B because not every emergency clinic is able to accommodate every client right now. It's gotten crazy. So sometimes we have gotten phone calls from clients that have said, I've called three emergency clinics and no one has the capacity to take care of my dog tonight. What do I do? So have strategies in place. Have your list of phone numbers. Have all that stuff figured out. And obviously, there's a difference between a planned C-section and an emergency C-section. Mm-hmm. I just had a straight-up emergency. Like, I had no expectation this bitch couldn't whelp. She whelped the last litter before. She was fine. She was mm-hmm. not in any distress, not in any distress until she was in distress. And yep. I was fortunate because we have relatively good communication with the vet clinic. And it got to be pushy-pushy. <laughs> and I said, no, we got to do this today. Mm-hmm. And that communication, talk about that from your perspective, from your clinic's perspective. How is it best that you recommend that people make those sorts of situations go smoother? Yeah, and that's a really good point, really good to discuss is when your bitch is due, call the vet clinic a day or two ahead of time. Let them know what's going on. If they ask you to call them when the bitch goes into labor, be sure you do that. Don't wait for her to push for five hours and have it be 11 o'clock at night when you call for the first indication that you have a problem. So be in communication with the vet clinic. Have all your list of things figured out. They may have a list of questions for what color is the discharge? Is she 
nursing, how many puppies has she had, how are the puppies doing. Be cooperative with the receptionist or the technician that you're on the phone with. Don't say, no, I'm just going to talk to the doctor. No, 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 no. You need these people to be on your side. So cooperate with them. Talk to them. Get their help. Make sure that you're cooperating and saying, I know I'm in trouble, so please help me with this because I need you to expedite this. And if I know somebody's coming in with a bitch that's in labor and in trouble and we're open, I can have a bitch on the table with blood work, EKG, catheter, shave, prepped, ready to go within 20 minutes. And that's impressive, but that's only because we knew you were coming and we had our stuff together and there wasn't already a patient ahead of you on the surgery table having a C-section. So plan ahead, be nice, be nice to everybody at the veterinary clinic, understand that they're all trying to help you and that the more cooperative you are, the more you can enable them to get the message to the veterinarian or the technician who can make those decisions about, yes, come on in or no, we need you to go to somewhere else. This is where we recommend. So again, you know, just be prepared to answer some questions and be cooperative with them because they're not trying to delay you. They're trying to get you the help that you need. And simple things. Most veterinary clinics have one surgery suite. That's it. That's yeah. it. So if yeah. there's, you know, a dog that's bleeding out from a, you know, whatever, you're going to wait. And mm-hmm. so it's best if you plan mm-hmm. ahead and know at, you know, what's my cutoff? Like we know that her progesterone was, you know, five. We know she ovulated on this day. She's definitely due on this day. And it's now three o'clock on this day. It's best to deal with it now. Yes. <laughs> Not yes. 3 a.m. I promise. Yes. I promise. Yes. Yeah. Um, waiting too long is waiting too long. And that's historically what a lot of people do. And then they think that they've always got a bad outcome from a C-section. Well, if you didn't get your act together and have this proactively taken care of, yes, you will continue to have bad outcomes if you push the limits for how far things should be. And, you know, we've seen it on the large animal side. My husband used to have those farm calls that they'd call at three in the morning that they'd hook the tractor up to the cow four hours before. And by the time they'd call him out, the cow was down, she was swollen, she was sick, the calf was dead. And then they'd complain. Well, the same thing happens on small animal. You can't expect a good outcome when you don't go into it prepared and timely. So be sure that you're you know, really paying attention to what's going on and that you're intuitively looking, paying attention to your bitch. Temperature drops are only accurate 60% of the time. So look at everything, plan ahead. Bitch quits eating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Not every bitch, like that was mind boggling to me. Like, what do you mean it's still eating? Yeah, I know. And have your car filled with gas and have your cell phone charger ready. I've had people call me and say, well, I'll need an extra 20 minutes because I've got to stop and buy gas. What? You had 63 days. <laughs> like, have gas in your car. It's January in Wisconsin. Have gas in your car. Right. Okay. So we've gotten prepared. We've gotten there. We've gotten the puppies out. Most clinics in today's society are not going to let you come back and help. Some might, some might not, but most aren't. Be mm-hmm. prepared for that. Yeah, sure. Be prepared to twiddle your thumbs and buy dinner and all the rest of it. The other thing is when you, you know, mom's out of it, everything's going okay, we're going home, and she's starting to wake up, I don't think people have enough understanding of what the bitch is actually like as she's coming out of the anesthesia, Mm -hmm. and as you're talking about the spider monkeys on her incision, and the fact that, no, you really don't get to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a two-person job. So I think 
anything that you can offer in that department would be really helpful because I really don't think people who have not experienced C-sections have a good understanding of what kind of risks mm-hmm. they're talking about during that first like six hours. Right, right. Because the bitch will wake up, she'll be disoriented, she'll be confused, her front legs will wake up before her back legs do, her head may not be all together, she may be in a really weird place mentally, depending on the drugs they use and how she responds to them. So you want to be sure that you've got very good protection of those puppies, that she's not going to lay on one, she's not going to snap at one. They hear sometimes that sound of prey and they will just snap at it or they'll be painful or disoriented and snap at it. So you really can't leave the bitch unattended with the puppies for sometimes three or four days, usually three or four hours is enough. But I have a line in our discharge instructions that says, do not leave the bitch unattended with her puppies until you are certain she will not harm them. Because it can happen in an instant, absolutely in an instant. Like I said, it depends on the drugs. And so if you've planned ahead and you're working with a veterinary clinic that you know them, they know you, you've got the drug protocols figured out, that can be really helpful in knowing how she's going to recover. If she's previously had an anesthetic period, an anesthetic procedure, you're going to have a better idea of how she's going to respond as well. But you may simply have to put her in a crate or put the puppies in the incubator or in a laundry basket or an ice chest or somewhere. If you have to go to the bathroom, if you have to go take a shower, if you have to go get something to eat, if you have to go buy gas, whatever you have to do, you have to go take care of grandma or the kids or whatever, you cannot walk away. I have had bitches of my own, sometimes with C-sections, sometimes that have free whelp, that I have to sit with them and they are only allowed to be with the puppies if they're muzzled and I am sitting with them for the first 72 to 96 hours. And that's just because psychologically her brain hasn't kicked into mother mode yet and it's not her fault. But you can have terrible tragedies happen. It doesn't make her a bad mom or anything else. I can remember my mom's last clumber litter that she whelped. She wasn't kind of physically able to stay with them at the C-section time. And so I'm laying next to the swimming pool that she used for her whelping box and literally pulling the bitch pup, the one and only bitch puppy's head out mm-hmm. of the mother's mouth. Like mm-hmm. literally pulling it out of her mouth. Like, no, honey, mm-hmm. it's not a squirrel. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it happens. Great mom, but it takes a minute. Yeah, and it's instantly that they can grab that puppy and cause permanent damage or death to that puppy. It can happen just in a heartbeat. So I am extremely protective of those females, and then you get these big bulky bitches, the bull mastiffs and the bulldogs and the burners, and some of them they're just not graceful dogs. They're just clumsy around their puppies. And so sometimes you do have to be really careful with that as well. Most of the time, a bitch won't deliberately lay on a puppy and cause it harm, but it can happen. So that's where the pig rails come in. That's where some of these things can be really handy. I was talking to a client yesterday about using some of those styrofoam pool noodles as some devices that you can use for buffers and bumpers and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of things that you can do, but if it can go wrong, it will. So essentially, the message is you just need to be very attentive to all these things that are happening and don't think you know everything because about the time you think you've seen it all, something will come to bite you and you will realize that you were unprepared for something that just occurred. Welcome. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. The better prepared you are with your list, with your phone numbers, with your supplies, with your extra, you know, backup, with somebody that can help you if you need 
to drive to that clinic that you've got somebody to watch the bitch and the puppies and somebody to drive the car. You know, all those things are like very, very helpful. So network with people that you know that are raising dogs as well. So if you're in a pickle and you need help with something or, you know, you had a car accident and somebody has to help out or your significant other got sick or whatever, you've got a network, you've got a resource of other people that can step in and help you. I had a kitten in today that belongs to a breeder and there were some things that were going wrong. And so she stepped up and was helping a fellow breeder have that network because these are not people that are your enemies. These are people who can befriend you and that can be really helpful for you. If nothing else, so that you can go take a shower, <laughs> please. Taking just a shower help. is a remarkable having gone 72 hours without sleep or bathing. I can tell you yeah. it's, yeah. it is really a remarkable thing. And, you know, it's everything. It's I had a cavalier breeder that had a litter of puppies and we had wire hairs, I think maybe. And the bitch had gotten like a plugged mammary gland and it just needed to be milked out. And, you know, there was nothing wrong. It wasn't mastitis, but it needed a more vigorous nursing. She brings the bitch over the wire hairs, cleaned her out. Everything was good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that kind of thing. All right. Well, Marty, Thank you very much, everybody. More on baby puppies because 2024 is the year of baby puppies next month. All right. And great outcomes with our puppies. The best we can hope for. Yes. Always, always aiming for the best outcomes. And side note, just be prepared. There might be a recording in your future from, I don't know, Scotland. Just saying. (gasps) That's exciting. I know, right? All right. Y'all have a great day. Thanks very much, Marty. Of course, always. All right, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofin'. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game. Owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck ninety-nine, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, if you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. 
The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.